We are going to continue with the, the beauty in the. How do you? How many of you feel like you stepped into the beauty of the season to this today? Let's just lift our heads again and say, "Thank you, Lord." Lord, we ask that you would bless this time where we come before you, before your table. You invited all of us before your table to commune with you. So I ask that a richness touch and release over this season. Lord, you spoke to us Thursday night. You said, take all the days of Christmas and put them in your hands. Would you do that with me? Let's take all the days of this month and place them in the Lord's hands right now. Just go ahead and take every day. The Word of God declares all our times are in His hands. And the Lord wants us to give thanks and praise over these days to see what He would do in and through them and in and through us in them. We praise you, Lord. We place all of it in your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a message here of Witnesses, Majesties, Part 2. Be the star. Be the light. When you were being drawn to Jesus, who was the person or who were the people that came around you at the time, uh, that time to encourage you in your discovery of who Jesus is now in your life? Can you think back to who were the people when you came to the Lord? Did people show up? Who was instrumental in coming alongside of you and giving witness to God and His goodness when you were on your journey to the Lord? Who showed up around you when you were exploring your faith in Christ? It's really an interesting reality that he begins to set in motion people that will come and bear witness. And listen, on the other side of it, let me, let me say this. Have you been instrumental in bringing the light of Jesus into somebody's life? Who have you shown up around when somebody began to draw uh, on God to discover who he is? I have learned that over the years that when I uh, if just just walk in the spirit and be the Lord's that somebody will be praying and suddenly I'll show up it's such a joy to be an answer to prayer isn't it wonderful when you look back over these events in your life and the people you were around at that time in specific places you found yourself when you're exploring you can usually see that God was involved in arranging the time. If you go back, literally put out a timeline and say the people, the places, the events, and kind of look, you can actually see God beginning to position people in your life and draw you and drawing you to Him. Uh, the word Jesus actually said that no man comes to me except the Father draw him. And so He begins to set things in motion. And so people that walk in the light actually come around and bring some light. And so we want to look at the wise men, these scholars of the East, and we want to, who followed the star that led them to Jesus. And it's, um, it's interesting to know that they traveled a long distance to worship the newborn king and to bring him the gifts. And some Bible scholars even believe that they get, received their information about the stars from Daniel because uh, they came from the East and there was some... Um, uh, just there's some discovery about that. Anyway, I want to read to you uh, out of the Message Bible. So buckle your seatbelts. It's going to be fun. This is Matthew 2, 1 through 18. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem Village, Judah Territory, this was during Herod's kingship, a band of scholars arrived in Jerusalem from the east. They asked around, where could we find and pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews? 
We observed a star in the eastern sky that signaled his birth. We're on a pilgrimage to worship him. And when the word of their inquiry got to Herod, he was terrified. And not Herod alone, but most of Jerusalem as well. Herod lost no time. He gathered all the high priests and the religion scholars in the city together and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And they told him, Bethlehem, Judah territory. The prophet Micah wrote it plainly. It's you, Bethlehem, in Judah's land, no longer bringing up the rear. From you will come the leader who will shepherd rule my people, my Israel. And Herod then arranged a secret meeting with the scholars from the east, pretending to be as devout as they were, he got them to tell him exactly when the birth announcement star appeared. And then he told them the prophecy about Bethlehem and said, Go find this child. Leave no stone unturned. And as soon as you find him, send word and I'll, I'll join you in, at once in, in your worship. Instructed by the king, they set off. And the star appeared again. The same star that they had seen in the eastern skies. And it led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. They were right at the right place at the right time. They entered the house and saw the child in the arms of Mary, his mother. Overcome, they kneeled and worshipped him. And then they opened their luggage, presented gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And in a dream, they were warned not to report back to Herod. So they worked out another route. Left the territory without being seen returned to their own country. After the scholars were gone, God's angel showed up again in Joseph's dream and commanded, get up, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Stay until further notice. Herod is on the hunt for this child and wants to kill him. Joseph obeyed. He got up, took the child and his mother under the cover of darkness, and they went out of town and well on their way by daylight. They lived in Egypt until Herod's death. The Egyptian exile fulfilled what Hosea preached. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod, when he realized that the scholars had tricked him, flew into a rage. He commanded the murder of every little boy, two years old and under, who lived in Bethlehem and its surrounding hills. He determined that age from the information he'd gotten from the scholars. And then, when Jeremiah's revelation was fulfilled, a sound was heard in Ramah, weeping and much lament, Rachel weeping for her children, Rachel re refusing solace, her children gone, dead and buried. Now I went ahead and read all that, the rough patch of that too, uh, and I, but I want to come back, we'll get to the end of that in a little bit, but I, I want to focus on the star, and I put that verse up. Then the star appeared again, then the star appeared again, and the, the same star they had seen in the eastern skies. And it led them on until it hovered over the place of the child. Do you see what it's saying? So that the star was in the sky, and then it's gone, and they're looking, they got in the vicinity, and where is this thing, where is this thing? And suddenly it shows up. But now it's different. It's not way away. It's not far away. It seems to be close. In fact, it's so close, it's like it's just hanging over them. And it's just, it's just like, and I, I was thinking, this is a beautiful and a mysterious phenomenon, and that the same star in the eastern sky now reappears and leads them so I, I, I've asked this question, can, can God put an angel in the night sky that can shine like a star? Can, God, can that angel come down out of the sky and lead the wise men to the place where Jesus is? 
Well, there's a thing in the Old Testament it's called poetic parallelism. Poetic parallelism. You say something and you say it again in just a little different way and expands the meaning. Job 38.7 says it this way. When he's asking, where were you when I made the universe? Where were you? And he says, when this morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. There's a parallelism. Say, the morning stars. Well, you know, the angels. Hello. I think that this very... So now, here's the other question. Can God place a follower of Christ who shines the light of God's love in the life of someone who is seeking to find the truth of who God is? And everybody said, Amen. Now, let me tell you how that works. First of all, Jesus has come. The very first verse we'll look at is John 1, verse 4. In Him, Jesus Christ, was life. Say this with me. The life was the light of men. Everything you and I aspire to actually become in integrity and in qualities, in good qualities of love, right thinking, it's found in a person. And you and I are destined to become like Jesus. We'll be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And when you're born again, His new nature rests inside of you and begins to grow. It's like a seed and begins to see and begins to grow. You've seen this, the work of the Lord inside of you for a season of time. You realize, I used to have certain appetites that I don't have anymore. I used to hunger for things and like things and want things and they're just like this, this changed and I want, there's a new set of priorities, a new set of values. That's the growing of that new nature. Uh, you, you, know, I, I, you know, you've heard this before, but one time I, I, somebody, I, I went through the self-checkout at Sam's and I, I, had, uh, I got to the car and I realized I bought one, but there was another one right under whatever it was. I had two of them and I went, oh man, I didn't pay for that one. So I went back into Sam's and I said, and the lady said, what are you coming in for? I didn't get to pay for this one. And she thought I was nuts. She thought, you got away with it. I said, no, you never get away with anything. I want to honor God. Not, I'm not even concerned about you guys. I'm concerned about honoring the Lord with my life. John 8, 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so what happens is you, you come to know Jesus. His life come, light comes in you. You begin to change. You begin to grow. And then you become, like Jesus said, Matthew 5, 14. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and now he flips it on them. He says, you. Look at somebody and tell them, you are the light of the world. You. You are. Come on. You are, you are the light of the world. This is, if Jesus was here, he would, he would be saying, you are the light of the world. He's, you've, come and, you've come to him, and now, now he's saying, it's your turn to shine. And it's not so easy sometimes to shine when you're having a bad day. When the pressure's on. How many of you had to repent? This little light of mine almost stuck in your eye. Hey. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine. Let it... Hey, tension. This line of mine, I'm going to burn your house down. Hey. 
Philippians 2.15 That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. Everybody say, help me Jesus. <laughs> help me Lord. They say, what did you say? Oh, well, what for Christmas? Blameless and innocent and without blemish. In the midst of a, and you know this is true, crooked and twisted generation. We are living in interesting darkness. I'll get to that in a minute. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Go ahead and let's sing it together. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Put it under a bushel. No, okay, one more did the whole thing. Don't let Satan blow it out. No, I'm going to let it shut. There's more to that. But see, you've, you've run into some rough patches just like the, the, the wise men ran into this. And they're, suddenly they're, they're, like, they're just wanting to honor what they saw God doing. And they followed the light. And this is the beauty. I remember um, the first time the Lord showed me this idea was a couple of years ago. We were in here and the Lord showed me that, some, that the star represents often... In the metaphorically can represent that there are people in the world and they don't know the Lord but you're the star they keep you as the reference to that life that they may live one day we had somebody like that in our life we ministered to him and stuff they came in our life and all and then then they left he was in the military and he, his, he went to the military he was married his wife left him he came back he had said deep in his heart when I come to Jesus, when I do the thing, when I devote my life, I'm going to do it like they do it. And then he did. And he's been a minister, not professionally, but been a ministering person ever since. God arranged his uh, a, a wonderful relationship. It's about four, four kids walks with the Lord but somehow out there there was like hey there's somebody that that I want to I see how it works I want that and that's what I believe what the Lord says I want to position you it may, they may be some distance away from living that life but when they get in proximity of you they learn this life is obtainable we can bring them to Jesus right we can bring them to the Lord that's the whole point of this that, that star showed up, it was gone, and it, showed, it was the reference, it was the reference point of their souls to get to the Messiah. Then it disappeared. Where is he? Where is he? And then it showed up again. And I'm telling you, when, you, when people are crying out for the Lord, people just start showing up. The Lord arranges it. The star shows up, leads them right to the King of Kings. Somebody say, hey, man. So 2 Thessalonians... 2 16 and 17 I found this verse the other day and it just blessed my socks off it's this now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself the God and God our Father who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish them 
in every good work and word. What a brilliant, packed verse. Establish you in every good work and word. And the reason I'm saying that is this. You and I need all the comfort and healing and impact of Jesus that we can possibly get in our lives. Because this is the verse I want to point to now. Isaiah 9, verse 2. See if this doesn't describe the day we're in. The people who walked in darkness have seen great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness. On them a light has shone. Deep darkness. You know, it used to be when I was a kid, there was churches everywhere and everybody went. I didn't even know the Lord, but we all went to church. Everybody went to church. You just go to church. You just go to church. I, I would sing his stuff. I didn't understand it. I wasn't even saved. I didn't know anything about it. But then one day I had an encounter with God that wasn't even in that church. But that's not the culture today. Now you can bring up Jesus and people think there's something wrong with you. Right? They don't know his love. They don't, they've been scarred. They've been hurt. They've been hurt dead. And I've, I got to thinking about this, the presence of somebody. This is so key because a star doesn't do a lot of talking. Sometimes it's just there, right? It's just the presence. I've learned that when you're at a funeral and you, somebody has a deep, deep loss, the presence of somebody being there that has love flowing out of them and care and concern is more important than anything you could ever say. Just proximity, just being there, the presence. It's a ministry of the presence, of just being around somebody who's heartbroken and who, who things have come apart on and life is off the rails and, and uh, they're missing, they have deep, deep, deep burdens, you know, inside. And then the Lord showed me one time, I was talking to Lori in the office, and the Lord showed me that's what this generation is. This next generation is so broken, they're so bruised, it's all like they are at a funeral every day. And that's why, and don't, don't ever speak down on broken people. They don't act right. They're hurting. But if you show up and you're just in their presence and you're around for a little while and there's some consistency, suddenly they're like, you're not leaving like everybody else in my life. And there's a change. Turn to somebody and say, be the star. Be the star. Be the light. Be the frame of reference for the Lord so that you're the one that's in their life because the brokenness exceeds anything that I knew. I mean, I was broken. I was broken, but at least they hung together. Let's just worship for a moment. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're so faithful. You're so kind-hearted and good to us. We love you with all of our hearts. We thank you for every healthy family. We thank you, Lord, for showing up and giving, giving those in this congregation as a, a frame of reference for the light of God to shine into those that need you. Amen? So I said, why? This is the thing. Why deep darkness? Why? This verse, Matthew 2.13 in our story, this is now not out of the message, but out of the English Standard Version. It says, Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and remain there till I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child. And I underlined the word destroy, to destroy him. 
to destroy him. Fear of the world is all about destroying the, the life of Jesus and anything that represents it, the innocence, the, to, to steal the innocence, to take away the innocence, to crush and destroy the little ones. We're in the midst of that fight right now. And this word destroy, apolyme, it means to destroy is the Greek word there, to put out of the way entirely, abolish, put it into, to render useless, to kill, to perish. And I underlined here to be lost. This is the word to be lost, to ruined and destroyed. And then Matthew 2.18, we see the effects of that on the emotions. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. And I asked the Lord about this. I said, Lord, you know, I had put last a week ago or so, I put my head down. We were working in the office. I put my head down and I felt like the Lord, he just said, I'm going, he says, I'm going after the person's heart that has refused to be comforted. I felt the Lord was aggressive. I'm going after the person's heart. Now, there are many people that have deep kinds of, of, of pains and they don't even know. I, I remember being at one of our prayer times. He said, I'm just numb. Bad things happen. I'm just numb. Help me. I'm just numb. I can't feel it. The, the refusal to be comfort happened years ago. But the person is stuck. Anybody who refuses comfort stays stuck right there. Right there. You stay stuck. And uh, I said, Lord, what am I going to say about this? And I felt like He just showed me one phrase, one phrase out of the, at, at the end of His experience with Zacchaeus. Luke 19.10. Look at this. For the Son of Man came to do three things. Well, to do the two things for the third thing. Everybody say seek. Say save. The lost. I'm going to go ahead and jump up and say it. Are you ready? That looks like a noun. Lost. To me, that's a noun. But in the Greek, that's a verb because that's the same word, destroyed. I'm coming after those that have been destroyed and ruined and, and rendered useless and put down and broken beyond belief. That's who I'm coming after. And I said, Lord, and it's the word seek, to seek in order to find, to seek after, to seek for, aim at, strive after. Jesus saying, I am coming. I'm coming for the heart that is destroyed and has refused comfort because it can't help itself. It doesn't know that there's a better way. It doesn't know that I can redeem it. It doesn't know. I've come to save it. Sozo. To save. To keep safe and sound. To rescue from danger or destruction. To save a suffering one from perishing. Jesus says, I have one reason. And I'm going to seek and I'm going to find you and I'm going to save you from perishing. And that word lost. Just go ahead and uh, in your imagination, 
in any place in your life right now, just throw up a surrender flag, a little white flag, and say, here I am, Jesus. In the areas that I don't know that I have refused the comfort, that I have been devastated in some way, that my heart has been broken, that something has pulled at me and ruined me and rendered me useless or caused me to feel like that area of my life is there's a put an end to it and I, I just am I'm stuck. It's I don't don't feel like I'm 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 what I could be there. Let's praise him right now. Just praise him because Lord because here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna come to the Lord's table. And I want to ask those who are serving communion to go ahead and uh, begin to prepare that. We're going to go ahead and put that in order and we're going to apply the Lord's body. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Oh, can you come up? Yeah. John 10.10. John 10.10. Jesus made it extremely clear. You know, I told a long time ago that... uh, you know, what makes a joke funny is it has a surprise ending. Usually you're heading one way and then the joke, you know, you tell the joke and you suddenly, you didn't expect that. Jokes are all about having a setup and then you get something else happen. The, but our salvation is no joking matter. The Lord doesn't have a surprise ending like, Scotcha! Ha 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 ha! No, he goes, this is exactly what you can expect from me. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you what you can count on. I'm going to do something for your life that you can put on and you can bank on forever and ever and ever. I'm going to take you with me into eternity because you're going to put your faith and your trust in what I did at the cross for you. And I've broken the power of Satan's rule over your heart and all of your sin is washed away by the power of the blood and I've come to put an end to what would put an end to you. I've come to destroy what's come to destroy you. I've come to render it useless what was trying to render you useless. That's why I've come, he says. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. There's no greater Christmas present than freedom in Christ. There's no better Christmas present than the fullness of your heart being flooded with forgiveness. And that there's, there's peace and goodwill, as he said, for everyone. That you don't have a contention. And so you don't have a place that's just perishing and ruined. And the Lord says, I'm coming. I'm seeking you. I'm saving you from everything that would destroy you. That's why I've come. Let's praise him again. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Go ahead and let's all take partake of the of the the, the bread or the, the, the cracker there. Hold it and just as you get one, hold it until we're all served, and then we'll partake it together. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Now I want you to see another verse. First John 3 8. It says this whoever makes a practice of sinning and that's very important it's the practice it's the dedication it doesn't mean that you are wrestling with something and fall prey on occasion this is I've set myself 
to learn it well. And I'm going to be a good, I'm going to be good at sinning this way. That's what that's talking about, practicing. Those who practice, make the practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. You see, the devil doesn't have a righteous day or a good day. He doesn't do anything for anybody. He doesn't come except. And the word steal is klepto. Did you know the devil is a kleptomaniac? If he comes into your house, something's going to be missing when he leaves. He'll come and say, I can't, if I can't destroy the marriage, I'm going to take all the joy out of it. I've got to get something. I'm going to take, take, take. I'm going to steal, steal, steal. I'm going to kill something off. Cause something that you liked. I'm going to kill it. This is how mean he is. It's not like a nice guy. And therefore, the next statement says, this is the reason. Everybody say that with me. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, this word destroy is a little bit different. It's luo. And this is what I believe is going to happen when we partake. There's already been the spirit of this word in the room. It means to loose any person or thing tied or fastened. To loose one who's bound. To unbind. To release from bonds. To set free. How many of you know that the presence of the Lord is a freeing environment? Causes you to begin to have hope where you couldn't hope before. Begin to believe and walk in things that you weren't able to do. And suddenly you're going, I can make it. I'll never forget. I was so discouraged over my life and I saw what my life was. And my life was when I looked back, I saw that all of the hurdles were knocked down. I couldn't overcome. And the Lord said, He showed me a picture. He said, I'm going to cause you to jump all the hurdles now. He put hope inside of me. He said, I'm going to make you an overcomer. You weren't an overcomer, but I'm going to make you one. Now you put out the effort. And I started to jump the hurdles and I didn't knock them all over. Hallelujah. You can be stuck. And the Lord says, I'm going to come where you're stuck and I'm going to unstuck you. This is called freedom in Jesus Christ. Last week, we, we, when it was Thanksgiving, we declared over the reality of this that the Lord Jesus Himself was thanking God the Father that He got to be your liberator. That He could do inside of you what you can't do in yourself. Can we go ahead and praise Him for that now? Just as we placed all the days... See, I think one of the reasons the Lord said put all the days in my hands is because there's some days of some of you that came up around this time of year that are, that are hard days. They may have a memory in them. They may have something that causes you emotional frustration or some kind of a openness to something that you don't like. I, don't hope, I hope I'm making sense here. And the Lord says, if you'll put those days in my hand, I'll conquer what came to conquer you. 
You put my, your days in my hands. Can we do that together? We said that before, but now let's say, by the, just let me lead you to this prayer. Father God, by the power of the covenant of the body of Jesus Christ, I thank You now that what I was tied to, I am loosed from in the name of Jesus. That what came to destroy me is now destroyed in the name of Jesus. That I'm free from the things that cause suffering in my life because Jesus was suffered for me. And I thank you, Lord. Now lift it up and praise you. Praise you, Lord. We praise you for your body. We praise you for your covenant. We praise you for the power to liberate us that's wrapped up in this moment of faith in what you have done for us. We receive it now. Go ahead. Partake. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Go ahead and uh, hold until all are served again. Take the little cup there. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Would you put up this uh, last uh, verse? 2 Corinthians 5.21 Now I want to say... You and I don't have a leg to stand on in our own righteousness. Everything that we would put a, put forward uh, as far as a, some kind of a good work or something is pretty much... Unless Jesus is in it and fueling it... Let me f fix it this way. If you think you can be saved by good works of your own, you're, you're mistaken. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved by what He has done only. Good works comes after you're saved not to earn anything, but as an expression that you are saved. It's, a it's a, the, the other side. It's that the life of Jesus in you is valuable and you want others to know Him and that's the shining of the light. That's what that's about. But first, uh, Second Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake He made Him, which is Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. There's something so beautiful about that when we stand before Father God in heaven, not having done anything to get there except put our faith in the person of Jesus, whom, whom the Father sent, that our little heads will shine with the glory of what He has done, that we will be loved and accepted completely by what He has done and not anything of our own. Now, would you hold the cup just for a moment? I've never, I, I, I begin to think about, you know, the judgment. What the judgment is about. People have a mistake, a mistaken notion that God judges the way a man judges. No. When the great white throne judgment, when the assessment at the body, uh, at, you know, the, the judgment seat of Christ for believers... This is one of the thoughts I believe that will be involved in that judgment as the, the believers. It's this. Did you forgive 
others the way I forgave you. Now, if you can look in Jesus' eyes and say, no, I held bitterness. They didn't deserve forgiveness. How do you think your eyes are going to... How do you, what do you think is going to happen there? He's going to look right in you and the fire in his eyes is going to... Something's going to happen there. Let's just go ahead and determine today. When I stand before Jesus, I'll have forgiven just the same way he forgave me. And he goes, check, good job. Because when Jesus was on the cross, He said, Father, forgive them. He relied on the power of the Father to flow through Him. And you can rely on the power of Jesus to flow through you. To bring healing. Is there anybody that the Lord would bring up and you just need... There's so, there was a season in my life where I had to just keep, keep... I was forgiving, forgiving, and the Lord showed me the key. And He says, now start blessing them. Start blessing them. So let's lift it up. If there's any stumbling point, any kind of erring point where you just say, Lord, I just need a cleansing today, let's bring that before Him. Because the Lord is faithful and just and He forgives our sins as we confess them. That's the point of the blood. The point of the blood is that the stain doesn't go with you, it stays here under the power of the blood. Let's praise the Lord for that one. Your identity will not be based on your failures. Your identity will be based on who Jesus says you are to Him. That's who you are, really. You're who He says. And that's why the blood is so powerful, because it washes away all the negative images of yourself and all the things that you've let yourself down and the self-criticism and all that stuff. He says, we're going to wash all that right out right now. In fact, some of you, when you put this on your tongue, the Lord's going to wash your mouth out from all the negative language that you've spoken. He's going to cleanse you of the negative things that you've said. You'll receive that now? And now let's speak forgiveness. Receive the forgiveness and speak the forgiveness. Hey, let... Oh, you know what? Okay, look. This is... Man, the Lord tells me stuff sometimes. There is a spirit of negativity. It's a demon. Let's break its power right now. Let's break its power right now. The blood of Jesus breaks the spirit, the demonic force of negativity. It breaks its power. Let's break it right now in the name of Jesus. Let's take it and partake. Thank you, Lord. Now just put praise on your tongue. Praise on your tongue. Put praise and adoration on your tongue. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And when you're finished with that, let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Say this with me. Say, say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, it is my desire to be the light, to show forth the love of Jesus Christ, to show forth His power and grace. Thank you for your testimony in my life. I want to shine brighter than ever. I receive your love for me in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. We have some people. If there's further prayer ministry needed, come on forward. Praise you, Lord.